Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome out to church tonight. If you've got your Bibles tonight, uh, Philippians chapter 4. Amen. Philippians chapter 4. I've been reading the Bible uh, plan about uh, uh, going through Philippians. And so I want to preach this sermon tonight that I've entitled The Comfort Crisis. The Comfort Crisis. You know, one author makes this case towards modern life. Uh, That he says it may just be too cushy for our emotional and psychological well-being. And he states this in this article. He says, when all of most fundamentals of life, food, warmth, and safety, when they are thoroughly satisfied, he says that we not only lose our appreciation for what we have, but we also move the goalposts and fixate on social comparisons that make us miserable. You know, there is a dynamic in Scripture that I want to speak about tonight and preach on where God challenges our comfort zone. But many times here, every time that we see if you've been saved for some time now, you understand that in life many times, uh, you know, we go from discomfort to comfort. And every time we feel like we got things going on, we got things down pat, God begins to shake things up again. And it becomes uncomfortable where God begins to shift and change our circumstances. But this is a part and parcel of life. It is a part of the ebb and flow of the Christian journey. That is to begin to understand how God works and how life works. The challenge for you and I tonight is that I want to say, don't get too comfortable. Right? We need to be able to find the sweet spot, so to speak, between comfort and discomfort. So I want to preach tonight the comfort crisis out of Philippians 4. Let's read our text tonight and let's see what God has to say to us. Amen. Let's start in verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, for now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak it regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be a base, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things that I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Amen. The comfort crisis. Three things I want to talk about tonight. Number one is contentment 101. You know, one of the indicators of contentment tonight is joy. Right In our text here, Paul here, he starts off and he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Other translation says, I greatly rejoice. You've got to remember here tonight that Paul was in prison, right? He's, uh, he's surrounded with every reason not to rejoice, right? And this word in the Greek, rejoice, literally means to experience God's grace, or in other words, His favor, to be conscious and be glad, all right? And so here he speaks about His grace. In other words, uh, this word gives us a picture leaning towards God's grace, So in other words, what Paul is saying here is that the ability to acknowledge and lean towards God's grace and be glad in it. 
And so the dictionary meaning of contentment is actually here a state of happiness and satisfaction. And that is to be satisfied at whatever stage of life you are in. Whether there is more or you have less, this is the whole idea of being content. And so we often hear tonight, often are unsatisfied because of the comparison syndrome. Right, all the social comparisons that that uh, uh, that I started off with, because here many times I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, my parents always did that. They always compared us kids to other kids. I don't know if you've, your parents used to do that, but you're not like so and so. You're not like your cousins, and they would do this comparison between us and them. Right? Uh, I don't know about living in Australia, but if you're a refugee family, you'll probably come past this one, eat all your food. Right? There is people starving back in Vietnam. There is people starving in Africa. And you, you know, make this comparison to you know, somehow you know, uh, stir some compassion in you. I read an article about here people with first world problems. It says, for the vast majority, deprivation and difficult, uh, difficulty are not choices but realities in daily life. Without acknowledging those truths, he says that a lot of people don't realize how good they have it because they've never had it bad. In our text here, Paul describes his current state of contentment. And he describes this in regardless of circumstance. Listen, he wasn't in Silverwater Jail, right? Or the jails that we have in Sydney, Right? He, he, he didn't have you know, a TV screen, uh, he didn't have his kettle, you know, he didn't have clean sheets. Uh, he, he was in a Roman jail. Right? Eaton actually describes contentment as a state of mind in which one's desire are confined to his lot, whatever that may be. So here Paul is saying here, I'm content. Though I'm in jail, though I, I have learned to, to, have, uh, to be content whether I have more or whether I have less. The challenge for you and I here tonight is because here tonight we, challenge, we are challenged by this idea of being content. Right? There are sometimes wrong mindsets that people can have. And this, which leads to this sort of place where they're not content. You know, people look at what others have and, and in doing so, they do this comparison which makes them feel discontent. They feel like I, I need more, I need to have more and get more. And, and listen to me tonight more things doesn't mean an equal more satisfaction. And there's a comic strip in 1921, a long time ago, that originated, uh, that a famous uh, a saying originated from. It actually depicts this concept of keeping up with the Joneses, which we know here. It actually refers to a comparison to, of one's neighbor as a measurement of social class and accumulation of material goods. Here, we not only deal with that today in this world here, but Paul had to deal it, with it way back then. This mindset of comparisons in 2 Corinthians 10, 12. He says they were measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves with themselves. And he says that is not wise. See, when you have a fixation on things that, don't, you know, that you don't have, that makes you miserable. And the result is, is that it robs you of the joy that God has for you. 
The Ten Commandments begins to speak about here the Tenth Commandment. Do not covet your neighbor's house, his wife, his servants, his donkey. He speaks about it. Do not covet these things. Because when you do that, you're robbed of joy. You make yourself think that I'm missing something. Matthew 6, 25 says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you would eat or what you would drink for your body uh, as to what you will put on. For not life is more than food and the body more than clothing. See that there is a state here of mindset, of contentment to say, hey, uh, my contentment is not on the things that are externally, but rather here Paul is saying, my contentment comes from within. It is my lot that I'm content with. And so there is the other side of the coin, which I want to preach on tonight, and that is the comfort crisis. See, because having too much, right, is uh, the fact that you can have too much, and when you have too much, you, when you lose focus on what ought to give you satisfaction, and, which is Christ, uh, but when you lose that focus... And you turn to things that will cause you, that in your mind will cause you satisfaction. That's where the comfort crisis comes in. No longer pursuing the will of God. Looking towards the world for your joy and contentment. See, now I want to establish here tonight a biblical basis of us being blessed. How many know we ought to be blessed? That God here is, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm not against having good things. I'm, I'm actually uh, wanting good things. Right? God wants us to be blessed and to walk in the abundant life that He's promised you and I. Right? There are scriptural grounds for this. Uh, when you look back in the Old Testament here, God says uh, to Abraham uh, and his sons, that, here, that, I'm going to make you blessed, that all the nations of the earth are going to look at you and call you blessed. In Genesis 26, 13, He says, A man... And the man, talking about Abraham, began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. And he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. See, the issue is not having stuff. The issue is the stuff having you. That here, if you were in this place, and, and obviously God here in the Western world, we are, we are blessed. We are in the top 8% of rich people in the world. Paul instructs Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 7. He says, teach those who are rich in this world. He's speaking unto you and I. Not to be prouder and not to trust in money, which is so unreliable. But trust in God who richly gives all of us what we need for our enjoyment. So the danger is tonight is when you allow the comforts of life to take priority over the discomforts that your Christian walk and journey brings. And I want to say tonight, which is many, <laughs> well, why discomforts, Pastor? Well, uh, you know, when you figure out in life and you journey with God, you begin to, you know, God begins to put things together, you begin to be blessed, you know, you get married, you have a job, you bank account, you learn how to use money, you know, your, your savings increase, and, and, you know, and God blesses you, God helps you in that. But many times God shakes us out of that, He takes us out of our comfort zone in order to bring us into our faith zone. Because sometimes we can begin to rely on the natural things that, that God provides for us, and we lose focus on God Himself. 
See, the challenge here tonight is don't get too comfortable. And this has been an old age wrestle way back there. They were trying to balance in Proverbs 30, verse 8. He says, give me neither poverty or riches. Feed me uh, with the bread uh, that is my portion. Otherwise, I'll have too much and deny you, saying, who is the Lord? For I've become poor and I still am profane the name of God. See, this has been a wrestle from way back then. Now, text here tonight, Paul mentions some areas that challenge our contentment. Uh, that has application for you and I tonight. Number one is that uh, he's saying, be satisfied with your salary. Be satisfied with your salary. See, when you zoom out and Google out of our text here, Paul was speaking in context of the Philippians' uh, financial generosity. He's speaking here, the balance here between, uh, you know, generosity. And he's saying, I'm not writing this because I need it. I've learned to be content with or without. And I want to say tonight that there are going to be seasons of financial growth and blessing in your life, time that you have plenty, but there are also coming times where you're going to have to be empty and with nothing. That there is an ebb and flow of life when it comes and shifting jobs or perhaps your job being in jeopardy, that you're going to have to struggle and wrestle through these times. There are financial seasons that they fluctuate between faith and fear. I mean, I want to talk about that sometimes you think I've got all these bills and I don't know how I'm going to pay them more. And, uh, you know, you bring it into your, yourself into this faith, faith zone that God, and you're, 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 dri- you're driven to begin to trust God in his word. See, the Bible teaches us to be thankful for all the basic things in life. First Timothy 6, 8, and having food and clothing with these, you shall be content. See, the problem is tonight when you... Uh, want more, or when you have more, you want more. There was a character in the Bible named Ahab. He was a king, he had everything that he wanted, but yet in his already uh, uh, excess, he wanted Naboth's vineyard. You'll find this in 1 Kings 21. But yet here, having everything that you already can think of, he was still not satisfied. And he decided here to steal some, you know, things from other people. And yet here the greed got the best of him. Now not only wanted to take over the vineyard, he kills the guy. See, when you want something else that's, that's someone, uh, want something that's someone else, you will always be unsatisfied. See, the key here is learning to want what you have, even if you don't have everything you want. In other words, let me say it differently. The key to contentment is not having everything you want, but wanting everything you already have. Right? This is clearly stated again, Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God said, I will never leave you and never forsake you. So, in growing in godliness, you and I must become content in living in God's presence as the source of our contentment and satisfaction. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. See, we should tonight be content with everything that God's given us in every circumstance but listen to me tonight, we should never be satisfied with our spiritual growth. 
In other words, that we need a hunger for growth. We need a hunger to grow more in Christ. However, tonight, the challenge is for you and I is not to get too comfortable. So let's close here tonight with Christ being at the center of our lives. See, contentment and true strength comes from Christ within and not with things without. Philippians 4.13, probably the most used scripture in the Bible. We've memorized that we know very well, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. See, Paul narrows this ability down to contentment. Right To be content and have confidence and courage comes in Christ in you. Not with things without, but Christ in you. Listen, this is not automatic, but it's a process. Because true contentment is a process of learning. See, sometimes it's a process, reverse. Sometimes it's a process of unlearning. Right, things that you have learned across the, you know, the course of your life, growing up with your family, unsafe family. There's things that you may have to unlearn. But all in all, in verse 11, here he deals with learning and knowing how to be content. Right? Notice the phrase that Paul uses in verse 11. For I have learnt to be content. See, learning here is a place here that we allow Christ to be at the center of life. That here it's in Him that we find comfort. It's in Him that we find our source of strength. This phrase to learn means to discover by experience. Right? It's to enter into a new condition. This is what the word means. Right? If you can translate it in this way. I have come to learn in the yo-yo of shifting circumstances that Christ is my strength and source of contentment. In verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret, in other words, of being content. Listen to me tonight. Don't get too comfortable. (laughs) Right in this life, you can lose focus on the next. John Wesley says this, Earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. This is a good formula if you want to, you know, uh, succeed in life, in the, especially in the area of finances. But listen to me tonight. Christ at the center of your life is what's going to bring contentment. And sometimes he's going to push us into arenas of fear, but in order to bring up some faith. And I was speaking to, to Yi um, this afternoon and uh, just uh, his experience in uh, going to conference and, and uh, you know, his very first conference, you know, I mean, saved in the, uh, you know, within the year. Uh, but uh, he went to conference and him and Hing, they actually ended up staying with um, Daniel and, and Ginny in an Airbnb. And so, um, and so he went, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, a bit of struggle with finances and everything else. But uh, come the Monday night. I just basically said, yeah, you know what, uh, just pray and ask God, God, what do you have for my life? And just obey what God's telling you. And so he comes over Sunday, um, uh, Monday night, uh, you know, the service starts and the offering comes. And if you've ever been to a conference, you know, we're singing songs, the atmosphere of faith, uh, of expectation. And then the first offering comes up. 
And so the first offering there, I forgot who was taking it, that um, gave it, uh, or preached the, the offering, and uh, ye, uh, in his good heart, gave everything that he had into the offering. And later on that night, he didn't consult his wife about it, but uh, just a bit of advice, next time maybe consult your wife. But they came home, and uh, he, he said, I gave it all. I, I listened. I, I was obedient to the heavenly call. And so he gave, and uh, you know, and uh, here is, is the wife, always the, the voice of reasoning. Amen. Listen to your wife. But sometimes here, ye, he's stepping out in faith. But yet the fear of uh, not having and, and all this going on is in the air. And so you know what? He said, no, God's going to provide. And sure enough, the next day, money in the account and God provides. And so that night, Tuesday night, <laughs> morning seminars, getting filled with faith. Now night service comes, the offering comes. And uh, again, the pool was give. And what did he do? He gave all he had. <laughs> and so there he comes uh, home, uh, you know, and then, you know, I think he broke the use to him. We, we gave everything again. And uh, I was like, Poo, what is and so the voice of reasoning, amen. And then the voice of faith, but yet mixed fear in the air. What, what are we going to do for tomorrow? What, how are we going to uh, eat and have fellowship? Sure enough, the next day, God provides. <laughs> Wednesday comes around. Morning seminars, filled with faith, comes night service, worship, comes to, towards the, the offering at night, offering happens. Now this man is now full of faith. Now this man is content, God, God, he knows God provides, amen. And sure enough, he gave it all again. <laughs> you know, my point being here is that here God is able, when we have faith, and when we step out, faith risks for God. Whether you're fearful, whether you have more or you have lesser, it's that finding that sweet spot in your faith to know that God will provide, God will help. He's the very source of our strength. He's the source of our contentment. And when we step into that, God is able to bless us and help us. Amen. If you have listened to this testimony last week, that Ross did a great job You'll find here is uh, this man, he had everything. But I'll tell you what, he was not happy. By this stage here, the fact is that he can never be more happy with having less. But I'll tell you, this is a great example of uh, what I'm talking about tonight. Because when you try to hold on to things, you actually lose it. But when you allow and release things into God and trust God as your source of strength and contentment, God is able to open doors and help you. Philippians 3, 7. But whatever things were a gain to me, these I have esteemed loss because of Christ. But, in, 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 but indeed, therefore, I count all things a loss. Let me say that again. I count all things a loss because of the excellence in knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of whom I have lost all things, I esteem them as rubbish. Think about that. Here, Paul's saying, everything that I, is rubbish that I may gain Christ. So here tonight, in our text, Paul here, 
He's enduring, enduring all that is going on. Right? All the things that are happening on the outside. He's saying, yes, all these things are going on. I'm in jail, things are going on. But yet here my source and my strength is not in things on the outside, but it's Christ on the inside. So notice the balance here between what he's saying. He's saying there is my part and then God's part. Right? In between that, you know what he says? He says, I can do anything. And this is where we need to find. This is the place we need to find ourselves. That here, I'll do my part, God does his. And in that, I can do everything. Amen. Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed tonight.